2: Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
3: It's 12.03 on March 23rd, 2022. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us for the Wednesday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rachel Pearson, filling in for Rob Hart. The spring campaign for clothing line American Eagle Outfitters includes a journey into the metaverse. We'll take a closer look in our next segment. But right now, there's a surprise in the report on new home sales for February. Let's break it down with the help of Gus Fauché, chief economist at PNC Financial Services based in Pittsburgh. Gus, we're seeing a drop for the second time now in the housing market.
0: Uh, Yeah, so we saw a decline in new home sales in February from January. They fell in in January from December. That being said, they're still higher than they were before they were entering the pandemic. Uh, I think some of it is shortages of new homes for sales, but uh, the housing market is still strong and, and builders are still putting up homes.
3: Unfortunately, though, we are starting to see some higher rates uh, for mortgages, maybe even higher housing prices. It's a difficult time. It'd be tough to be a first-time home buyer
0: right now. Uh, that, that's right. Obviously, affordability is more of an issue now than it was. Uh, We have higher mortgage rates. We have higher prices. Uh, You know, we we lost the income support from the government that we had during the pandemic. Um, That being said, I do think that price growth is going to slow somewhat over the next year or so. Uh, I think we should see housing affordability stabilize. And I think with more supply on the market, that will help keep prices in check as well.
3: And potentially shift us into a a buyer's market, because would you say it's safe to say it's still seller's market right now?
0: Yes, there there are shortages of new homes for sales. There are shortages of existing homes for sales. So, uh, you know, there's still a lot of bidding for homes, prices selling above the listing price and so forth. Uh, But I would expect that as rates move higher, as supply increases, we'll see a lot of those pricing pressures uh, alleviate over the next six, nine months or so.
3: Over the last year, maybe less, we've seen homes go for tens of thousands of dollars over asking price because we saw that short supply. We're still seeing a limited supply, but now there's higher rates tied to it. So do you think that things will start to level out a little bit more?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of those bidding wars are going to disappear as, as rates move higher and as we get more supply on the market. Um, you know, It's not going to be a uh, buyer's market anytime soon, but it is going to move away from being such a strong seller's market.
3: And how much of this with with the comp- the competition that we're seeing in the housing market, uh, are, are we still going to see these crazy cash offers? or <laughs> contingency seems to be sort of a, a, a few and far between now, where if you really want something, you you have to commit and you really have to go for it.
0: People are sitting on a lot of cash right now. Um, We've had strong growth in in house prices over the past couple of years. The stock market, although it's down, is much higher than it was before the pandemic. People were able to save money during the pandemic. So I think a lot of people have cash. And so I do think that that cash offers will remain a feature of the housing market uh, throughout 2022 and into 2023.
3: And again, with the second straight month of of U.S. home sales dropping, and specifically we're talking about single-family homes, you're suggesting that this is going to be the trend moving forward. At what point is it going to plateau?
0: Um, no, I think we actually may see small increases in, in sales over the next six months or so. Um, I think, you know, we'll see uh, things kind of level out and a little bit of slowing in the housing market toward the end of 2022 as higher rates start to take a, a more of a bite out of the market. But I think we will get some more supply, and that is going to lead to, to stronger sales in the near term.
3: Thanks so much, Gus Fauché, Chief Economist at PNC Financial Services based in Pittsburgh. Coming up, a clothing company enters a
2: brave new world. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
3: Apparel brand American Eagle Outfitters is venturing into the metaverse as part of its spring campaign. Let's learn more from Shelly Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group and professor of advanced media and residence at Syracuse University's Newhouse School. Shelly, is this something common for a retailer to step into the metaverse?
4: I think it's going to be super common. Uh, This is early days, so they're following Gap and a bunch of other retailers. They are certainly Uh, early but they're not alone so yeah it's it's going to be common and it is common at this point
3: but what does it mean to be a retailer and i'm thinking about american eagle outfitters they're an apparel company for the most part Mm so what purpose does a metaverse serve is this to try on clothes virtually is this more an experience-based retail approach what's the goal
4: so I think there are several goals. First of all, you need to stay relevant to an audience. And if you're American Eagle, that's a, a younger audience. And this is where the younger audience that they seek was spending time right now. So thing one is you just want to fight for relevance and be relevant. They created a members-only club in Roblox. And Roblox is an incredibly popular metaverse. There are many others. There's Land, and there's the Sandbox, and um, Fortnite. There are plenty of, of metaverses that are basically, in this case, cartoon characters in a cartoon universe and that may not be what the ultimate metaverse or metaverses look like but for today roblox is a very good example of a cartoon characters in a car- you are an avatar in a cartoon universe or a virtual universe so this can be enjoyed either on a computer on a handheld like your smartphone or wearing uh, virtual reality goggles so like oculus quest 2 so there are real reasons why they'd want to be there. That's from the experience perspective. With respect to what you do there, they've created a members-only club. So they've tried to – they have the AE Members Always Club. And what they're doing there is trying to create an exclusive environment inside of a virtual world, and they're going to see how that goes. Basically, it's all about experimenting with consumer experience, with user experience, and – uh, trying new ways to be top of mind in a world that's very crowded.
3: And you mentioned sort of being experimental. We're also seeing that American Eagle branching out its presence on social media app Snapchat with a new A E lens, right? So it's interactive tennis. I'm reading again. It's, mm-hmm. it's not something that I think of when I think apparel. But maybe that's the point: is that it's you should be thinking about apparel when you're thinking about everything else.
4: Well, you know. If you think back, this isn't new because you didn't think about football when you thought about Nike when Nike started, and you didn't think about clothing when you thought about basketball other than basketball clothing. But now, every time you see a Nike Swish, you're thinking about an athletic lifestyle and a full range of clothes and accessories that bear that brand name. So for American Eagle, what they're trying to do is very clear. They're trying to go... Where their audience is, and they're trying to be relevant to the audience they care the most about. So with Snapchat, same thing. They're doing an, <clears throat> an augmented reality interactive tennis match. Is that the right thing for American Eagle to do? Yeah, apparently it is. And will you know consumers always vote with their wallets? In this case, it might be a digital wallet. And instead of voting with cash, they may be voting with cryptocurrency. But one way or the other, they are gonna, they're going to—they're trying to win the hearts and minds of the users that they—they they want the most. And I can only applaud what American Eagle is doing. This is the kind of marketing that you really want to see a brand uh, try to do on a regular basis. These are the kind of experiments that always pay dividends. You're going to learn something and you might increase sales.
3: Thanks so much, Shelly Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group based in New York. Up next, cryptocurrency proving to be a lifesaver. Some of the refugees in the war in Ukraine.
2: Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
3: As residents of Ukraine are driven from their homes by war, money is a huge issue. Some of them are turning to cryptocurrency as a way to survive. We're joined by Bill Uliveri, owner of Senegal Capital Management in Glenview. Bill, I I guess cryptocurrency is better than hauling around gold bars?
5: (laughs) Well, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin is definitely living up to its promise of being a decentralized currency, a store of value. And how people can store their wealth just as self-sovereign individuals and you're right the question is how many cold going how many gold coins could you get through tsa over at o'hare airport in the event of an emergency i mean you can't even get a, a set of toenail clippers without the alarms going off um you know if you're a refugee how much silver bullion or jewelry can you possibly carry if you had to leave your home in the middle of the night and walk across the border and you had like 48 hours to do it could you walk from chicago to milwaukee carrying pounds and pounds of your net worth in either cash or in in bullion? And the answer is no. So Bitcoin is, it's an excellent proposition. And and this is what makes cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, especially an important uh, proposition for people in who are, unbanked or underbanked or in, or refugees. It's, it's, this is an amazing time for, for cryptocurrency, honestly.
3: Well, and you threw out a few hypotheticals for us, but we're actually seeing this happen in Ukraine. A refugee used a USB thumb drive to go across mm-hmm. the border containing about $2,000 worth of Bitcoin. This has real life application.
5: Absolutely. I mean, you might remember in 2015, if you were a citizen of Greece, you were only allowed to withdraw $70 a day or 60 euros um, you know, during, the, during the crisis there. And the Ukraine's population, yes, I mean, they only were limited to $33 a day that you could withdraw out of an ATM machine if you're in Ukraine. So this is a real-world example of the value of cryptocurrency. And you don't even need a USB thumb drive. I mean, theoretically, if you were strip-searched at the border – if all you did was remember your 24-word seed phrase, you could restore your wealth once you made it to your refugee camp or your final destination. I mean, this like the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog's back. That's like 10 words. <laughs> or the Our Father prayer. is like mm-hmm. the Our Father prayer is 55 words. So if you can do half of an Our Father, you can memorize the key that unlocks all your wealth instantaneously.
3: Well, and Bill, I do want to touch on this because we did have you on the Noon Business Hour last week. We, we talked about d- ways to donate to Ukraine. You yourself made a donation. I, I want to sort of conclude here with with what we can do to continue that aid.
5: Well, if you visit the Ministry of Digital Transformation on the Internet, you can donate U.S. dollars, euros, British pounds, like you know, maybe up to five currencies, and you use a centralized bank, which is J.P. Morgan. That's a global bank. And it probably would take, I don't know, maybe a day or two. And who knows what the cost would be using U.S. dollars. But I was in queue waiting to be interviewed last week. And I sent a $10 donation to Ukraine using a cryptocurrency on my phone while I was on hold. Like, that is the amazing proposition. If we knew this, the, the, the Bitcoin address or the cryptocurrency address of this poor kid who's taking his family out of Ukraine, we could, he could receive real-time donations of hundreds of thousands of dollars by all your listeners by the time we're done with this interview. And I find that an amazing proposition of cryptocurrency and a decentralized version of what it, help, help, it helps people.
3: Agreed, agreed. That's Bill Uliveri, owner of Seneca Capital Management in Glenview. His website, SenecaCapital.com. Still ahead in Personal Finance Wednesday, some tips to help you lessen the pain at the gas pump.
1: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?
3: Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Pearson in for Rob Hart, and these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. President Biden is headed to Europe for NATO meetings on the Ukraine crisis. A special report from CBS News is next. In personal finance Wednesday, the price of gasoline is at record highs. We'll learn some strategies to save on fuel. And a well-rated U.S. airline is among the carriers experiencing staff shortages as business picks up. WBBM business, the Dow down 415, NASDAQ down 128, and the SP 500 down 46 points. AccuWeather says cloudy skies today. Rainy too, with a high just 58 degrees. Temperatures will fall to 41 tonight. Then cloudy and cold again tomorrow. Could see a couple of showers later in the day. A high of 45 degrees. Right now, 53
0: at O'Hare at 1231. CBS News special report. President Biden's on his way to Belgium to meet with NATO members and European allies on maintaining a unified front against Russia's war in Ukraine. NATO leaders are set to agree on extra support for Ukraine to deal with chemical and nuclear threats as it battles Russia. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg.
5: We see the rhetoric, the attempts by Russia to create this uh, pretext and accuse us and uh, Ukraine for preparing the use of chemical weapons. White House
0: correspondent Ed O'Keefe says Mr. Biden will then head to Poland. The visit is in essence a thank you to Poland for shouldering so much of this humanitarian crisis. The White House says the president will meet with Poland's president. He'll give formal remarks about how the free world is responding to the crisis and helping ukraine correspondent holly williams from ukraine
4: ukrainian forces are on the counteroffensive, while russia is struggling to supply its troops with fuel and food according to a senior u.s defense official
2: cbs news special report Ahmed piper lunch money for all generations this is the wbbm noon business hour
3: Well, the markets are mixed this afternoon. We're joined by Hugh Johnson, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer at Hugh Johnson Economics in Albany, New York. Hugh, we're sort of seeing this battle between value and growth stocks. So uh, your prediction, who wins over the next six months?
6: I think over the next six months, let's not say six months, let's say two months, I think it's going to be value. Value has been outperforming growth although they may be starting to change. But value has been outperforming growth, and that's largely a reflection of the concerns, deepening concerns, about the U.S. economy, the belief being in some quarters that the U.S. economy is going to start to slow and slow a lot And if it's going to slow a lot, then you want to buy those stocks that pay a pretty uh, attractive dividend and are trading at a low price earnings ratio or trading at a value level. So I think value for the near term, as long as those worries or concerns about the economy are are paramount. And the second thing is, I think that will shift as we get through this period, particularly the first quarter. We get the numbers behind us and we start to look at the second, third, and fourth quarters, which will be stronger economically. And then I think growth stocks will reassert themselves. But for now, value, but in a couple of months, I think that'll shift to growth.
3: Well, and that might also shift uh, with, with the Fed. We've heard the Fed say it's going to take a more aggressive approach with interest rates. Is that going to play a piece in, in that economy slowing down, as you mentioned?
6: Yes, it is. And we had been talking about they raised rates, of course, at their last meeting in March. The expectation is that they would raise interest rates six more times this year. In other words, at each of their meetings, uh, based on what we heard Chairman Powell said, and also what a couple of other governors have said uh, today, uh, it looks as though they're considering not, it's not written in stone, but considering possibly raising interest rates, not the usual quarter of 1%, but even as much as 50 basis points at a meeting. That means we'd be talking about a little bit more aggressive, a little more hawkish Federal Reserve policy. And as a result of that, you see other interest rates in the credit markets going up. For example, the yield in a 10-year Treasury has gone from 2.15% last Friday up to 2.35%. That's a pretty big move to the upside in interest rates. So interest rates going up, and that's putting some downward pressure on price earnings ratios, downward pressure on stock prices.
3: Another place where we've seen uh, an increase is with oil prices. They've, they've soared recently. You think there's more room to grow there?
6: Yeah, I wish I knew. That's so unpredictable. And obviously, the um, Russians are getting a little bit more aggressive Uh, Putin today has said he wants those uh, members of the the European Union, uh, the U.K. and the U.S. to pay up for the gas that they've bought and to pay it in rubles and to pay it within a week. So tensions between Russia and and the West, and particularly those countries which he calls unfriendly countries, and that includes the U.S., He's getting a little bit more aggressive and it starts to hint that they may be talking at some point in the near future about an embargo of gas going to Europe. And that would put a lot of pressure on upward pressure on prices and it'd be a significant problem for Europe, which is such a significant user or or importer of natural gas from Russia.
3: Well, and President Biden uh, in Brussels are on his way to to Brussels to have some NATO meetings. And I believe uh, sanctions are on the discussion table.
6: They certainly are. They're never off the, uh, the discussion table more recently, and it looks like it's going in a couple of different directions. Where Russia is trying to fight back with sanctions of their own, but there's no question they're still talking about sanctions. And obviously, things are sort of escalating or getting more tense between the between Russia and uh, the European Union. Uh, the, uh, people are getting very, very concerned. About the way the war is going, although there are reports, as was mentioned earlier on your program, that uh, the, uh, the Ukrainians are starting to, to, let's I don't want to say fight back because they've been fighting back, but are starting to have some success. I don't know if it's accurate, but some success in the battlefield.
3: Thanks so much, Hugh Johnson, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer at Hugh Johnson Economics based in Albany, New York. Up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, we'll give you some tips to save on those troublesome costs of gasoline.
2: The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
3: 1240 on the WBBM Noon Business Hour, and it's personal finance Wednesday. Drivers certainly taking a huge hit at the gas pump these days. Let's get some help from Matt Jones. He's spokesman for True Car based in LA. Matt, if it's me, I've heard these crazy ideas on how to save money at the pump, right? Whether like overinflating your tires, you can buy these devices, or my friends have told me to to re pick up my hobby of horseback riding and just take a horse to get, <laughs> get around. But you're saying there's some news we can use.
7: Yes, Rachel, and thank you. And there are some things that people can do to fight off that pain at the pump. Um, probably the easiest one and the, the most uh, the, the, the most of us do is we carry around extra stuff in our trunk. Uh, we carry a lot of stuff depending on the person and if you and if you think about it these people when they make the cars the engineers they're trying really hard to actually reduce weight so much so that some cars actually don't even have spare tires anymore because they they weigh so much so we're getting rid of all or we're losing all of that fuel efficiency when we keep our trunks you know filled with stuff so probably the easiest thing that we can do is just empty out our trunks i think the epa estimates that uh, for every hundred pounds of extra stuff in a car we're going to lose about a 1% fuel efficiency, so that's a pretty easy one. Uh, the next one I like to think about as we get into spring is people like to do their outdoor activities, ride bikes or snowboard, depending upon where they are in the country. And if you've got a roof rack and you're putting your, bar- your bikes or your snowboard or your kayak on the roof of your car, you know, that's going to affect your fuel efficiency. So, so the tip is if you have an opportunity to put it in the back of your car using a tow hitch, do that instead uh, always take those things off when you're not using them because you'll see an increase in fuel. And even for folks who just have crossbars, you know, take those off if you can, too, because, again, all those things reduce your aerodynamics uh, and, they, and they increase your, your coefficient drag. We don't want those because that brings down your fuel economy. Uh, th- this one's kind of hard for some folks, though. It's combining trips. You know, um, it, it sounds like a little bit of a drag, but if, 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 when we consider it, uh, cold starting an engine consumes a lot of fuel. So once you get your engine up to, to, to temp, if you know you're going to run a bunch of errands, do them while your engine's hot. You actually can save fuel. Um, it's a tough one for a lot of folks, but it is a way to save some extra, uh, get a little bit more fuel efficiency out of your car. Mm-hmm. And along that same line is idly. Um, you know, sometimes you can't get out of it. If you live out here in L.A. like we do or I do, you know, you get stuck on the freeway, you're forced to idle but a lot of cars are actually being built with auto stops to stop you from idling so that you don't waste fuel when you're not in motion. Now, what a regular person can do if they don't have that as part of their car, you know, when they run in front of their house or, you know, they need to drop off something real quick, stop your car. Uh, don't let it just idle in the street when it's not being used because you are wasting fuel that way. Um, and then the one that I, I think I'm most fond of is tire pressure. Now, if you got a car that was built after 2007, you probably have a tire pressure monitoring system or a TPMS light in your car that will let you know when your tires are low. I think a lot of people are familiar with that. But what gets uh, lost is that that light only shows up once your tires are more than 25% under where they should be. So anybody who is you know, relying upon that, it's, it's great for a safety feature, but probably the safer bet is to check your tire pressure more regularly. Uh, if you don't know what your tire pressure should be, you know, open up your driver's door. There's gonna be a little sticker inside your car that'll tell you what your tire pressure should be. Check your tires and make sure that you are close to what your recommended pressure is. TPMS is great, but relying strictly on that uh, can actually cost you fuel savings. And uh, the one I think we should all probably know, and it's just a quick reminder, do your best to not speed. Um, you know, according to the Department of Energy, every five miles an hour that a person drives over 50, uh, it's going to cost them about 30 cents per gallon. So you know, if you, if, you, if you have a speed limit of 50 or so, try to stick to that. I know it's frustrating. I know it's hard, but it will save you money. And of course, you know, you want to keep your car, you know, maintained, oil changes, all those things. Good maintenance will help you keep your car uh, as fuel efficient as possible. And the one that uh, all of our driving instructors—this is probably the last one—our our driving instructors will impress this: don't slam on the brakes; coast to a break. Um, the, you know, the, those things, those little small tips that people can do every day without much fuss or fuss can help you see some significant savings at the pump next time you fill
3: out. Thanks so much, Matt Jones, spokesman for True Car based in Los Angeles. You can join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday. Still to come as business picks up, a U.S. airline is struggling to staff its planes.
2: Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
3: Alaska Airlines, which scores high in annual passenger satisfaction surveys, could have trouble keeping up service. The air carriers having trouble filling out cabin crews as business ramps back up. We're joined by Ken Goldstein, president of KJG International Consulting here in Chicago. Ken, what's Alaska doing to uh, deal with this staffing shortage?
8: Well, Alaska's looking forward to the heavy peak summer, which all the airlines are thinking is going to be a Reversal of the pandemic numbers uh, up tremendously, and Alaska is offering their flight attendants double pay to pick up extra trips this spring, hopes of avoiding short staffing shortfalls ahead of even bigger jump in this coming month with just summer. The long and short is Alaska, as you noted in your intro, was is one of the airlines that is has a tremendously high. Uh, customer rating, customer service rating, and they want to maintain it. So their concern is they don't want to lose any flights or a cancellation of flights due to not having enough people around or people timed out because of other situations as far as flight cancellations, anything like that.
3: But double pay for flight attendants isn't cheap. This is going to be a, come at a cost, at least, for the airline. So I'm curious if this is a long-term solution or if this really is just to get through the next busy travel months here.
8: Well, allow me to answer it this way. The airlines are seeing higher-than-ever demand for flights, even with spiking airfares. So this pent-up demand because of the pandemic, people wanting to just get out, fly, go somewhere... Is taking place. So what you're seeing is the airlines are responding. As far as whether or not this is short term or long term, I think the airlines, all of them, are in the aim of trying to bring back people. For example, American Airlines, which aims to hire about 18,000 people this year, Southwest, which is targeting about an 8,000 new employees for 2022, they're trying to add to their staff. They're not offering similar incentives as Alaska's, but everyone's going there. We've talked about this in the past. There's a pilot shortage, and they're trying to add that with schools, training pilots. And each of the airlines are seeing this surge in demand. They don't want to be cut short. So they're doing what they can now. Alaska's taking a step forward. They want to maintain their customer service integrity, and they're going to add people to it.
3: Thanks so much, Ken Goldstein, president of KJG International Consulting here in Chicago. Of course, if you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and on the Odyssey app.
7: Listen to every MLB game live. the deep
2: left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone.
7: Stream minor league
0: affiliates.
2: The Midwest League home run league.